Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to be with you here. Uh, my name's Helen Jackson. I'm a pioneer lay minister here, and uh, my husband Tim and I have been part of the church family here for for decades. Um, but uh, it's great to be here. Let's pray before we begin. Lord Jesus, thank you for this opportunity to focus on your word this morning. I pray that anything I say which is not of you will fall to the ground and that your presence will stir us to turn to you and your living word afresh with confidence and the assurance of your grace. Amen. So, uh, as Anne said, I'm continuing our look at the book of Hebrews. Last week, Anne talked about the beginning of Hebrews chapter 4 and its promise of Sabbath rest, of peace in our hearts. And today we look at the conclusion of that chapter and what Sabbath rest with God really offers us. We know that the Sabbath supports our well-being, but these final verses remind us that God is offering us something much more precious than that. So our passage is Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 to 16. You can uh, follow it in your Bible or on your device, and the words will also be on the screen. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 to 16. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our hour of need. Amen. Well, there are some very challenging words here in the context of rest. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. These are not soothing words, really. The news at the moment uh, is all about establishing truth and calling people to account. Jelaine Maxwell, Prince Andrew, and now Downing Street Partygate... And even though we won't ever know the whole truth of any of these things in this world, it's reassuring to think that God already knows and will judge the truth. But unfortunately, the same goes for all of us. 
all the things we do wrong, the bad thoughts we can't repress, the impatience, pride, intolerance, faithlessness. God knows it all. But as Christians, we already know that we are forgiven by God, that Jesus became human and faced all the temptations we face and more without sin and died sinless to redeem us, to give us that extravagant gift of grace. These verses remind us that God knows the reality of our struggles. Sabbath rest isn't just soothing noises. It's not a spiritual cup of cocoa. But Sabbath rest, that peace of the Lord, does mean that no matter how bad things get, God knows and forgives all of it. We are freed from the need to feel guilt and shame, from hating ourselves for the things we've done, from reliving those worst moments. God is offering us rest from that right now. And surely it's this place of rest that this chapter is inviting us to. To work from a place of rest, a place where we've already shared the burdens of guilt and shame and unworthiness and accepted God's infinite mercy and grace. These verses tell us that the Sabbath rest we're being offered is just fantastic. So, why is it so difficult to live as if we accept that, to rest in that all the time. I tend to go at things quite hard, and I have always struggled with working from that place of rest. Uh, surprisingly, this Christmas, I received a copy of one of Anne's recommended books on the subject, John Mark Comer's The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Uh, I have to admit, I read it in a bit of a rush, but uh, it's a fantastic book that I would commend to all of you. But just to step back, however, and illustrate the struggles that I brought to the book, our Christmas this year was really great, but very busy. The first guests arrived to stay on the 14th of December. I was already behind. We worked up to a big family celebration on the 19th and things just carried on rolling to Christmas with people coming and going. So by the time of Christmas itself, I was not in any sense working from a place of rest. And when things get really busy for me, I like to push through and then something will remind me, oh goodness, I'm a Christian. I'm meant to read the Bible and pray on top of all these other things. So I'll pick up the Bible and skim through some passage, and then I turn to God and I list all the things I need him to do. Could you make sure none of us get COVID? Could you help my son finish his dissertation? Could you sort out Afghanistan? Basically, things that in an ideal world, I really wish I could take care of myself. It's as if God is just one of the many moving parts of my life and I'm expecting him to be there awaiting my instructions. Obviously, I'm exaggerating a little for effect, maybe. 
but uh, it's all very two-dimensional. It's in and out and no up. Everything in my life becomes a continuum of my own tasks and objectives, of relationships to be maintained, my projects to be pursued. My relationship with God is just one more thing to be managed. But it's clear uh, from John Mark Comer's book that this is not a new thing. Uh, he describes a similar feeling and uh, shares these quotations that will come up on the screen. If the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. The great danger is not that we'll renounce our faith. It's that we'll become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we settle for a mediocre version of it. That word, mediocre, really hit home. I find it so easy to settle for a mediocre version of faith, despite the great gift it represents. And if you're a Christian and you've never felt anything like that, then do feel free to zone out. You are richly blessed. But John Mark Comer compares overcoming this feeling of mediocrity to overcoming physical challenges. If we want to take more exercise, we can do something like couch to 5K, where you start off by maybe just standing up and work up a little bit every day until miraculously you're running 5K. You harness discipline and willpower to access a power that is already in you that you aren't currently accessing. But if we take the same approach with faith and we practice small, regular spiritual disciplines, we can access a much greater power the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, a power way beyond our own. We can help God bring about his real and unimaginable change rather than ours. And no running is required. But it does take Openness, it takes a little willpower just to pause and actively devote time, however short, to God. Time when we can be truly present to him. Even if we can only manage a couple of minutes to start with. Because God wants us, wants us hugely to do that and wants to help us to do it. Let's go back to the start of verse 12, when the passage starts to unfold why we want Sabbath rest. For, for meaning because, the word of God is alive and active. The word of God is an active and living thing which can speak into our lives prophetically through prayer, through reading the Bible. It's the same word of God that's talked about in Isaiah 55, verse 11. My word that goes out from my mouth will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. That divine power from God, that power which accomplishes God's purpose for the world, is waiting for us 
to open our hearts to it. But these are difficult times. COVID is putting many of, many of us under additional pressures. I'm retired and I find it very difficult still. And this new year, I've really tried to think out of the box. I've tried to see the goal as being actively present to God, not following any kind of syllabus. I'm having to start small, the spiritual equivalent of just getting off the couch and doing a circuit of the living room. And so I've picked up my Bible in three years scheme again. I'm now in about year six, and I read a day ahead. I read the Bible passage for the next day before I go to bed, and I just focus on what God might be saying is his will for me through that passage. I don't try and change the world through prayer at the same time, but it gives me something to start with, something to reflect on the next day. And I find it really encouraging to be connecting with God through less familiar passages. And even better, I've started reading at the 1st of March. So now I'm already on the 17th of March and it's only the 16th of January because it just doesn't matter which bit I'm reading in what order. I can feel I'm hurrying even though I'm not really. And in terms of prayer, John Mark Comer reflects on life, which I can remember, before the phone. Some of you will just have to imagine that. When standing in a queue was thinking time. When we were happy just not to know stuff. Being brutally honest, I've had to accept that I can always replace some phone scrolling time with prayer time. But there are other times too. One of Bishop Tutu's staff shared that they could never talk to him in the car. Before he got in, he'd be waving and smiling and chatting with people. And the minute the car moved off, he would be in silent prayer. Maybe we have to work out with the people around us when we allow one another that space to spend time with God. Just like you would if you were starting an exercise program. The final verse of the passage, verse 16 calls us to approach God with confidence. Everything about these verses is saying, come on, I've offered you total forgiveness. I'm giving you access to an amazing future through my living and active word. Hold firmly to your faith. Be confident. Rest in me. Give it a go. And as we draw to a close, let's remind ourselves what that looks like in real life. We've been talking about inviting people to Alpha. Now, I have been involved in Alpha many times. And the thing that really amazes us is the people that come without an invitation. And you think, well, if those people are coming without an invitation... How many more people are there who would come? They're just waiting for an invitation. My daughter's best friend 
invited herself. She signed up and then she invited Roisin to come with her. I mean, what's that about? Be confident. I was talking last week to someone who was having a challenging time at work and who reminded me of my own experience of the comfort and strength to be found from regularly praying right there in your workplace by actively give, bringing God's mercy and grace into a difficult place. And there's my standing up here speaking. I assure you that nobody at any point ever suggested that this might be a good idea. Uh, and you may feel there's a reason for that. But it was as if God kept saying to me, go on, go on, go on. Just try this really terrifying thing. And I don't know if it was God or if I'm just delusional, but I could be confident at least that God was with me in trying to be obedient to him. And starting to step out in confidence makes the next still terrifying step that much easier. So as we go into this week, I'd like us to reflect on what we can do to actively create that space, to be present to God, to his Holy Spirit within us, to rest in him through the Bible and through prayer. And how do you and the people around you help each other to do this? Because in the midst of a world which threatens to drown God out, being present to God is a lifeline as well as an opportunity to discover the rest, nourishment and passion of God's plan for you. Amen.